Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It is hard to believe that we have been having in-depth weekly conversations about movies since 2011. So many great movies, so many great conversations. But it's a lot of work. Producing this show week after week does require a lot behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions. We had some great films in Season 8 that started their lives as books or plays, and you can find all of them on our Originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals. That's the site where listeners can find links to purchase all the source material behind the adapted films we covered from season one up through our current season. For part of season eight, we had a series celebrating the 50th anniversary of films from 1968. We talked about 2001 and 2010 for our Odyssey series, both adapted from Arthur C. Clarke's novels. Man, the second one was so much better than the first, right? Don't you even get me started. <sighs> Need I bring up Under the Cherry Moon again? Yes, also so much better. <laughs> wait, wait, no, that's not what I... <sighs> Planet of the Apes kicked off its series based on the novel by Pierre Boulet. We covered Danger Diabolic and The Detective, adapted from novels for our 1968 crime films. Wait, wasn't that The Detective the prequel to Die Hard? They were both written by Roderick Thorpe, and yes, it's the same character in the books. I can't believe they even asked Sinatra if he'd be in Die Hard. That would have been yeah. weird. <laughs> Uh, Once Upon a Time in America was part of our Leone Once Upon a Time trilogy, adapted from Harry Gray's novel. And we looked at 1968 Best Picture nominees The Lion in Winter, Rachel Rachel, Romeo and Juliet, and Oliver! We also had an Ingrid Bergman series with adaptations like Spellbound, For Whom the Bell Tolls, Murder on the Orient Express, and Gaslight. We haven't talked about Gaslight. Stop gaslighting me! <laughs> Dive deeper into these books and more adapted films at thenextreel.com slash originals. Every purchase supports the podcast. Get the full list of adaptations that we've covered on all the Next Real family of podcasts and start your next read today at thenextreel.com slash originals.
the next reel, everybody. I'm Pete Wright. That there is Andy Nelson. Hey, hey, hey. And we spoil movies tonight on the show. Rematch. We're back to take on the title in the 1979 brawler, Rocky II. This guy just don't want to win, you know. He wants to bury you. He wants to humiliate you. He wants to prove to the whole world that it was nothing but some kind of a, a freak the first time out. Rocky, his whole life was a million to one shot. But he's about to show the world he's one in a million. Why don't you stand up and fight this guy hard like you've done before? That was beautiful. Rocky Two. The story continues. Andy, I got to tell you, I had a good experience watching this movie. Uh, and it's it it surprised me. It surprised me because I think I think that Rocky Two revisits the sins of Rocky and absolves many of them. How'd you how'd you feel about it? I enjoyed the film. I I wasn't sure what to expect. It's a um, you know this is all new territory for me now for quite a while. I I was excited by it. It was entertaining. It was engrossing. I think you're right. I think it did absolve some of the issues that we had with the first film. I think it found some new issues of its own. Uh, so we can talk about that. Um. <laughs> And so it was it was interesting for me. I think this one was a little bit more uneven as far as um, how I felt about it. Um, There were some points that I felt were um, a lot lower than what I got in the first Rocky film, but it had some points that were tremendously uh, high. And so I think to that end, it still did quite well for itself. I ended up really enjoying it. Can we talk about what you mean by uneven? Because I. I don't I, I didn't feel as as much of that sort of unevenness in in this in, in to my understanding of the word. Um, and I, I didn't have any of the lows, maybe middling, but I didn't have any of the lows uh, in, in this movie. And uh, so I'm I'm wondering what were can you lock sure. into some specific things that, that hurt your feelings real, real bad? Oh, well, I'm not saying it hurt my feelings real, real I bad. I feel like but- you were you were a little bit. You're a little bit sad. And, 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 I'm not and, saying I've got 15, 15 rounds with it or anything like that. <laughs> did your eyes look like Rock's eyes did? Yeah, right. No, what I mean is uh, the first film I felt had a nice, um, it was mostly a character film. I really enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the just the pace of the film. I enjoyed the fights um, on either end of it. And I just enjoyed the way it kind of unfolded. I thought that was a nicely told story. I think uh, Stallone, uh, I, I would say wisely repeated a lot of the successes of the last film. He keeps pretty much the exact same structure, you know, a fight bookending everything else going on in the middle of the film or two fights, I should say one on each end of the, the movie. And, um, but during the middle of the film, uh, yes, he does, uh, he does come back and do some things that he didn't do as well. The first time I thought the training stuff with Mickey, there was actual, uh, training going on. You know, we actually right. have some setups and payoffs within the training. We see that with the chicken, um, which, oh, so was, great. which yes. was nice to see. Um, uh, and I, I really liked kind of the seventies character stuff. I liked that Rocky, you know, he true to his word, he's retiring from boxing. He wants to, uh, live a life that his wife will be happy with. You know, she's not a fan of this, uh, world as we kind of see in this film. Um, but the film lingers on some things that just really take the pacing down and just really made 
for a much uh, a much slower time and and so to that end the film would hit these these sections that just really took the steam out of everything and then it became kind of a slog until we got through it and then things picked up again the first time i'm guessing you might be referring to some of rocky's money troubles the well primarily it would not even the troubles uh, initially, it's the shopping spree. Like when he decides to go on a shopping spree, it just goes on forever. And it's like the same point is brought up at every single turn, you know, dealing yeah. with the car. She doesn't want him to. He does it anyway. He doesn't really know how you to wanna go. You, you, you want to have a great time? Clothes. Go try and buy a watch with Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Buying watches, That's buying happy clothes, Sunday. buying a house. It's like I've seen this same scene play out like four times now. I'm getting so sick of it. It was really, <laughs> really tiring to watch. And I, I, I understand what he's doing, but it just it did not. There was no streamlining way to make it kind of work where um, we could get through all that. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's. 40 years old i i get it it's uh it there's some pacing that by nature is going to you know struggle a little bit but still it just could have been so much better right for a movie that sort of invented the mont the modern movie training montage you'd think they'd be able to shoehorn a shopping montage is and move some things along exactly yeah but but at some part they they have to demonstrate just how dumb he is with money and you can't quite do that as easily with a montage without it being a sketch and and i i think hearing him talk about it uh it, you know the way he talks about money and the way frankly she talks about money um I, I don't think they needed to do it as many times as they did but they got clothes they got jewelry they got the house they got the car and then they kept coming back to the car with the 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 fact that not he couldn't actually drive the car like which which i thought yeah. was you know was funny once yeah right so anyway, it was, i interrupted go ahead it, no it was fine it's, it's it was so that was frustrating and then the other one is is the second half of the film after he does go back into boxing um she goes through this this uh pregnancy issues and uh you know painfully as the doctor says strain of overwork <laughs> i don't even her. know what does that mean uh, it's it's a 70s yeah. way of saying you know they don't know what it is but she must have been working too hard because she's a woman and she's pregnant and she was she was moving big buckets at work it was pretty lame, but it felt like 70s, uh, you know, storytelling. They didn't really know what women's troubles were. Yeah. It was that was frustrating. But that's not my the the my gripe. My gripe is really she falls into a coma, which I was really kind of surprised by that. It went to a place like that. I thought that was actually pretty interesting. But then it really slowed the pace down. And I appreciate that Rocky was staying by her side and waiting for uh, her to get better. And I, I appreciated all of that. Because uh, I, I it just liked him as a character, and I liked that he was doing that. But by the time we get to the end, and she finally wakes up, which felt like I mean, I felt like I'd been waiting for a year for her to wake up. It was it was tedious. And yeah. and as soon as she wakes up, and and she says, "I got one word for you, win." And and Mickey, it was actually I, I laughed out loud because he's like, "All right, let's go." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's get out of here. <laughs> That is that is the moment I, 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 you know, because that's the moment that gets us out of the doldrums of Rocky Balboa. The oh, my God, he's Eeyore again. And then he stepped in poo. And it's the saddest said when he walks so sad across the gym after just <laughs> after trying to trying to jump rope, but not being able to do it. And uh, it's just so sad that we needed the blessing of the matron. Right. This is another yes. one of those archetypes. We had to have the matron come down and give the 
blessing to the action to the risk uh, to take on the the next uh, you know the next major boss and yeah. I I think you know my kids see this as a, a run Harry run moment do you know what I mean or Barry run Barry run moment. And in Flash on TV, which we watch zealously here, there's this, you know, there's this moment in the first couple of episodes of season one where, um, you know, the the mentor character turns around and says into the headset of of Barry, who's having trouble kind of being the Flash. He says, run, Barry, run in this voice. And that has carried that is like the inspirational line of the movie. Whenever anybody needs to do anything, it's run somebody with a name run run comma separated identifier run and <laughs> that that's what that means and this is that moment when they watch this movie they hear that and they're like oh okay barry can be the flash rocky could be the boxer this is what this is what it, it means and we need that we need that moment and i think you i think you're absolutely right the mickey bit absolutely ruins it because it it really it's over the top uh excitement coming from the old man that's not what ruined it for me (laughs) what was it what ruined it for you it's the the amount of time it took to get to that point i was right there with mickey i'm like let's (laughs) get this movie moving because it has died this movie is in a coma (laughs) okay that's fair i was 100 percent on mickey's side that's fair that's fair but you know what's so funny about it is that i had already i already felt like mickey had that moment in the film uh when he comes to the house and says i think we like knock his block off and rocky says okay and then they go and start training and this was training against the guidance of his wife and that was you know that that sets up the beginning um slog of you know sad training right um and but you know i already felt like mickey was was kind of in there i think his his role in the hospital was interesting and he's kind of a schizophrenic character he doesn't know what he wants until he he's kind of yeah you're a joke and stop wasting my time and well now i'm never gonna leave you i'm gonna be here by your side all the time you want me to sit here well i got nothing else to do uh (laughs) and and so uh, but but in the same on the other side of that same coin Mickey is actually a better character. As you said, we have some some training. We, it absolves the film's sin uh, in in Rocky that it was Mickey coming to Rocky to chase him down to to want to uh, uh, to be his trainer. You know, please let me train you. Well, in this case, Rocky has to come to him. Rocky has to sell him. You know, Rocky has to beg the mentor to to come back to his support. And I, I like that. Yeah, I, I really liked I, I actually really liked Mickey through this. And I think. My my memory of the first film is that Mickey was like he is in this film, in this like film. where yeah. he actually goes through the motions of really doing some training with Rocky. Right. I, I felt like and it's funny because I'd never seen this one, but it just felt that way because I feel like Mickey's always been there in Rocky's corner. Um, it just felt like this is the one where we really get that bit. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I really do like that. And I, I think Burgess Meredith actually... It's fun watching him play this kind of this crusty totally. old trainer. I think he's great at it. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And this demonstrates that he actually has, even though his his ideas are just crazy, you know, <laughs> like you know, reference the chase, the chicken sequence. Uh, it actually demonstrates in this movie that, you know, in this world, in the Rocky cinematic universe, uh, Mickey has some chops like his history is uh, we're going to I'm, I'm going to show you some things that are going to help you win this match. He actually knows some things. 
yeah. as a trainer. He's bringing his training tricks to the game and he's using them to make Rocky a better boxer. And it's right. to that end that and it's funny that moment with the chickens um, made me think of uh, John G. Avilton, who directed the previous Rocky. Uh, and it's almost like he it was weird because that was a moment that I felt like would have been a perfect moment to be in the first Rocky film, because that totally would have would have set up where Avildsen would have ended up with the Karate Kid. You know, it's because that's exactly mm-hmm. the type of paint the fence moment that we're getting. That's right. Later. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Wax the car, paint the fence, chase the chicken. Exactly. Exactly. I, the other thing that I think I, I, is is better about this movie, and, and maybe it's just that over the course of these two movies, it's such a slow build. It feels like a team is coming together. The first movie, even though we had you know, Mickey in his corner eventually, uh, like you say, because we didn't have as much of, as an, of an investment in the training in the in the first movie, um, in their relationship, the mentor-mentee relationship, it, it didn't feel like, like we got enough of that until this movie. In this movie, we get him actually approaching Pauly and saying, hey, you want to be a part of the organization? Like, you want to, I want to have you part of my part of my team we get we get to see that wonderful sequence in you know in the press conference when Polly screams out from the back you know he's he's i don't uh, you know i don't i'm not afraid of you or something you know he starts yelling at apollo from the back of the room over the head of the press uh, i love that little exchange i i just really like Polly, and i don't think we get enough of burt young uh, in this movie compared to the last one we really got to see him stretch his his performance legs and and in this one he's he's a little bit of a one-trick pony but i still really really like him I do too, and I think that's the uh, the downside to bringing a lot of these characters on as just members of the team now, because Bert had a, a role in the last film. It was not a part of the team, but it was this outside guy who wanted to get in on the the career that working for the the bookie that Rocky was working with, and um, you know, I, I, there and working at the meat factory, and I just. I felt like there was an actual character there who was struggling and trying to figure out what to do with his life. And I really enjoyed that about him. In this film, he ends up largely being uh, in Rocky's corner, just one of Rocky's guys. And it takes out, it doesn't, I, I, it doesn't take anything away. It just doesn't give Burt Young the opportunity to, uh, ha- to have those moments again. And uh, yeah, it just did not stand out. I think so, too. And I think it'll be interesting to watch these movies as we progress, because I think you'll see you'll continue to see different sides of Burt's young Burt Young's chops uh, as they as the role of Polly evolves. Uh, and and I to me, I, it's really satisfying to look forward to. My memory of it is now a little bit sparse, but I'm really looking forward to watching his this relationship, his relationship with Rocky as his career changes. Um, it's good stuff. Uh, so, OK, how about Apollo? Um, Apollo is in a different spot here too. And I really liked that. I really liked seeing this, this boxer who was trying to do something that was good and unique and, and, and fun in the last film by bringing on this uh, young boxer to, uh, create a big, uh, basically it was a marketing scam for himself, you know, since this other boxer had, had, uh, been injured and, you know, he came up with something to still draw crowds to uh, to look like he's kind of, uh, you know, supporting the boxing community and everything. I really liked kind of what he set up in that first film, despite, as we said last time, the phone book search that he did right, to find, right. uh, find Rocky. 
in this case, this is a guy who's now broken by what he did. He he created this monster, really. And uh, aside from you know his his name, even though it's it was kind of the split decision. Uh, some people say he won. Some people say he lost. Uh, but uh, you know he feels ruined, and he's getting all this this hate mail. People hate him and said he fixed it, and his ego is crushed, and it just he feels really broken. I really, really enjoyed seeing this side of him. I really could have used more. I just I thought it was such an interesting character, and uh, and that being said, there was still some really interesting moments between him and Rocky initially. Just that first moment is right after the fight from the previous film, because this literally starts with the last fight from the last mm-hmm. film. Um, but after that, we there uh, while they're both in wheelchairs getting wheeled out to ambulances, they have this great fight from the wheelchairs, which was great. Yeah. But then there's this really quiet moment and I was not expecting it. And this is what I think Stallone does really nicely with this with these characters in his scripts. He allows these moments where Rocky in the hospital in the middle of the night comes over to Apollo's room and kind of wakes him up and talks to him. He's just like, did you give me your best? And Apollo's like, yeah, I did. And it's like, thank you. Thank you. And it's just like, that was a really amazing moment. I was totally not expecting to see it. And uh, it, I just, I don't know. I felt like there's so much honesty with it. I, I really respected that. And I loved what he was doing there. And and all the way through the final fight and the way that it ends and the way these two characters kind of end that last fight, I found it to be a great relationship. And I, I really, too. really admired it. Yeah, I, I really did too. And I think Carl Weathers is used just as a performer. He's better in this thing. Uh, every time we cut back to him and, uh, you know, his wife, uh, Marianne, played by Sylvia Meals, I think that they are uh, great together. And, uh, you know, she's keeps trying to move him on, you know, come on, get out of this. Um, and, and he just can't do it. I mean, he is he, he's in the middle of a PR nightmare and he's he's trying to figure out how what is, what can I do to get out from under this? And I, I I think his suffering is so much more legitimate than in the last movie, uh, which was just, you know, all show, all promotion. And, and this is, you know, a, a legitimate human, um, you know, exercise for him. And I I found it very powerful. Um, and to the point where his rage at that PR uh, event makes him almost the sympathetic character, right? He he is, as his trainer says, you know, you realize they're setting you up to look like the villain. And yeah, uh, right. he says, whatever it takes, man, whatever it takes. Well, he, he did. He set himself up. He He actually walked right into it to look like the villain and to lose. And Rocky... <sighs> He's he's so sort of empty headed uh, and naive in this movie that his responses, uh, you know, are I mean, it's almost sort of that Truman show level of naivete. You know, he just doesn't know what he's <laughs> saying and it makes yeah. him sound uh, even smarter than or, or maybe being there is a better. Right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's a better uh, match for this, that that what he says, even though it's true to his world, when you take it that, you know, his double meanings are uh, unintentional double meanings are are really, you know, they work very well against Apollo Creed. And I think that's a um, that's that's really strong in this movie. And and I'm with you. I could have used more Apollo Creed, more, more, more Apollo Creed. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know this, but Sylvia Meals, who plays his wife, she's she's in this one. She's in Rocky four. And uh, then she sadly died in 2011. So uh, hence the reason she did not end up returning for Creed. Oh, yeah. Very sad. Uh, how about 
Adrian. Uh, I had some issues last time with Adrian. I, yeah. I, and I think as I thought about it and I watched this film, I do think that I ended up hitting it uh, on the head as far as what uh, what my problems were with that film. Do tell. She was such a shy person. And uh, she turned and became, she kind of opened up and, and, and became somebody for Rocky to fall in love with. And I really enjoyed that. Once they fall in love, you never see her in any other situations with other people and other than Polly. And so you never really got to kind of see that shyness continuing. And I felt like it was too big of a change for her character. And I think that in this film, you really, that's resolved because you do see her interacting with, with tons of people. And I felt like they really did a good job of, of maintaining that still that Mm -hmm. character while still being kind of open and loving with Rocky. I actually thought they, I thought she was just much smarter, um, much more smartly written in this film and just, i mean i just i think that it was a it was well done the way that she interacts with rocky the way that their relationship is the way that she talks to him when he's spending money and the way that she succumbs to him um the way you know, when she when he wants to go boxing like that that moment when he's saying you can't you you know don't you know, i can't remember what he says but don't stop me from you, know, you don't ask me to stop being a man uh, there were a lot of nice moments. I, I really enjoy that. It was only once they get to that point, kind of. It's really the first half where I think she's working really well. Once it kind of goes into the coma and all that, then I feel like it's there's a lot of writing there that's done specifically for um, the film to just kind of move on. And I don't think it works as well. But I really, really liked what they did that first half of the film. Yeah, I did too. I I think some of her more interesting, even more interesting um, sequences are when, you know, when he's trying to, uh, uh, I'm thinking specifically of when he's trying to, to get into acting, right? He's trying to become a pitch <laughs> right. man. And I, I was curious your take on that particular sequence and, and the director uh, played by John Plachette, uh, who, because I think that is very much the world you live in right now. It was very, very funny. Uh, to see that playing out um i uh it was it was it was pretty ridiculous and it was to the point where it was frustrating that the guy that the actor was um the actor playing the director was so uh just stereotyped and i'm not saying i i haven't seen like big directors before but this guy was so over the top so uh just I don't know, so rude, so obnoxious that I'm. It, it all of a sudden it just became totally unbelievable, and it was already you're already being asked to buy into Stallone being such an idiot when he's on set doing this that it became a little more difficult to to also buy into this guy being so over the top. Right, and that that's the challenge that I have with the scene that that though the difference the stereotypes between the two are so far apart. Right, yes. yeah. I've, I've never seen anybody so dumb in the cage, and I've never sen- seen anybody quite so condescending. I only work with professionals. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's just over the top. But there is this moment where we get her standing there, and she's she she gets I think one line, uh, she gets one word. I think she just says uh, yes or something very rude or something like that. And it's uh, uh, I just like that she's there. I like that she trucks along with Rocky and all these di- these different sort of endeavors. I, I think it's uh, I think it's nice. Well, there's that great moment. Um, just when the two of them are talking 
after he's dressed in his outfit and he's gotten all his makeup on and everything. And, and he's asking her, do I look dumb? And she's like, no, it's like, you know, it's okay because other people are around. And this was, this was that the way that she's written. And then when it's the two of them, just the two of them, as they're walking to set, he's like, no, tell me the truth. Do I look dumb? She's just like, yes. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. I love that. That was great. That was a great moment. A little bit of the fighting stuff. First of all, the training montage. We got to talk about the training montage because it's a little bit different. After we get through the introduction of the chicken and he's starting to train and we get the win, Rocky, win, uh, then he goes to work and we're back in Philly and we're, uh, we get some running and then they he becomes the Pied Piper of Philadelphia <laughs> running children. What, you, what did you think of this? They say, is he, Where is he leading the children? Yeah, that, you know, this was one of those things that I can just see Stallone doing, agreeing to the mayor of Philadelphia. Let's do this. It's going to be great for the city. It's going to, you know, it's it's just a great way to kind of tie everything together. And like, I can totally see the sell on this. You know, this is something let's get all the kids out of school. They'll come do this. This is something every kid's going to want to do. And and I'm sure I mean, if I was a kid, uh, you know, a little kid and I got to go run with Rocky and be in the movie for a day. I mean, absolutely. I and mean, they had over 800 kids um, show up to do this. Uh, and uh, it was, I thought it was a fantastic little moment. I was like, uh, you know, initially I was like, okay, what are they going to do in this one that's going to kind of amp up yeah. the the moment of him training and finally making it up those stairs and kind of pumping his fists in excitement. That was a great moment in the first film. And uh, obviously, it's iconic because, as I said last time, they have a statue of him up at the yeah. top of those stairs now. I mean, that's how iconic it is. But I was like curious, and as soon as kids started like kind of running with him, I'm like, oh, I see where this is going. And I was like, okay, and I was kind of rolling my eyes. But then it happens, and I like I couldn't help but like I'm like, oh, this is so great. This is so great. it was I was it was pathetic. <laughs> Oh, it delights me that you were taken by that. I am so glad. I'm so totally glad. Was. Totally could have gone was. so much worse. Uh, I'm I'm with you. The the thing that I love so much about the sequence is that when it starts, it's actually sort of sinister, right? When these these kids are slightly out of focus behind him, and he's running hard, and you, it, it's hard not to look at that. You know, if you look a little bit sideways, it looks like he might be struggling in his run like he's really pushing it and these kids aren't and every t- every cut with every single turn there are more kids <laughs> and i think if this were any other movie this would be a damned sinister way to go uh the the boxer who's about to be devoured by 800 like <laughs> cannibal uh, children cannibal children <laughs> right, right. Uh, and and you know where is everybody else where are the adults that came with <laughs> yeah. the children? I they, yeah. I don't see the adults, and don't they care that their children has just followed a, a sweaty man running down the streets? Everybody loves Rocky, man. Everybody loves they, Rocky. Every, they Philadelphia people. They all know who he is. They see him run by, and the parents go, "Oh, it's okay. It's just Rock. It's, it's <laughs> hey, Billy, go follow Rock. <laughs> go carry his spit bucket. Oh my. Oh, all right." Uh, let's see. We've got the fight. Let's talk about the fight. I think uh, my my hunch is, and I I'm uh, my hunch is they did some work on the not only the fight choreography, but I think this goes into um, uh, the you know the way they shot it. 
um, in- introducing some really cool elements into the big fight uh, at, at the end of the film. What do you think of the final fight? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think they did some nice changes with it. I, and you know what was interesting? I didn't uh, mention this last time, but uh, Sylvester Stallone is uh, a boxing choreographer for this and the last one, which I thought was pretty interesting that he's actually in there kind of figuring this stuff out. Right. This is a guy who really... Uh, is in tune with this world and is is doing a really good job of putting it, putting together a story about it. I uh, the fight was was uh, you know like the first one, you get uh, the first couple of rounds and then you kind of speed through all the stuff in the middle and then you get to the end round. You know, so it's, again following the same pattern that he used last time, but it works. I I thought it actually worked really nicely and I I enjoyed the way that it was shot. There was some nice moments in here. I particularly enjoyed the the moments where it goes slow motion. I thought it was a really interesting way to kind of uh, give us a sense of the being inside the minds of these guys as they're fighting and how it feels after going through so many rounds in a boxing match. I thought that was really interesting. I enjoyed that quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I, I was taught I, because I, Stallone, you know, he directed this one, too. This is. He, uh, after the last film, um, they wanted a sequel and Avildsen, uh, declined to direct it because he was working on Saturday Night Fever, which actually he ended up getting fired from. Um, so Stallone fought to direct this one and, uh, they knew that a lot of the success came from him. So he jumped on, or so they let him and he, he jumped into it and, and went whole hog. I, was wondering about that as I watched this. Uh, I was like, okay, so what is it that Stallone is doing that Avildsen didn't? I felt like Avildsen brought a lot of um, that kind of 70s character stuff to it and just kind of this tone. Um, and and I thought Stallone was a little, I don't want to say glossy, but it just felt a little, things sometimes felt a little safer, a little more standard. Um and so I was wondering about by the time we got to the fight, how I'd feel about that. And I felt like actually the fight surprised me with some of those things. And uh, so in the end, I was like, and honestly, the the way that the fight builds and the way the fight gets to that climactic moment and when Rocky finally wins, like I wasn't, I, I knew that he won. That was kind of what I always heard. He loses the first one, he wins the second one. But I was right there. Like I thought the fight uh editing the pacing the directing the acting everything and it worked incredibly well I, I found it incredibly gripping and yeah i thought stallone did a rock solid job with it you know the parts that i have a difficulty with are you know that middle that that middle arc that you talk about you know you kind of rush through the middle stuff well it it feels like a clips review uh and uh, i i have trouble with that like i i want to I, I, it doesn't really tell me a story. It just shows, you know, snapshots of what's going on to show time passing. And 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 I wanted a little bit more of a story because I've waited a long time to get to this this bout. Um, and uh, but, you know, I do like that they set up stakes for each corner, you know, right. Uh, we have them going in where where Mickey says, you know, you you just hold off. You fight like a, a right handed boxer until I tell you to go southpaw. And uh, on the other corner, you know, it's it's these guys in Apollo's corner are saying, don't go for the knockout. Don't go for the knockout. And he's saying, I'm going to go for the knockout. And uh, it just keeps getting beaten up. 
I love those stakes, and I love when we finally get to the to that final corner. There's a challenge to those stakes, you know, as these guys are are so cemented in what they are going to do and how they're going to fight this match. I couldn't quite tell if you know. I I didn't feel that they really made good on on Mickey and Rocky's debate about going southpaw. Did you? Did that feel resolved to you? It was. Uh, uh, that was one of those elements that was I, and it could be because I don't know enough about boxing. And when he's boxing, I kept saying, well, I feel like he's punching with his left a lot. Like, I, you know, yeah, I really I was struggling left. with that. I'm like, is he he's supposed to be hitting with his right, but he's still using his left. And and so I, I, I and again, I just don't know enough about boxing. Yeah. Because then when he's like, and, and yeah, that whole southpaw thing, because he's because like, I thought Rocky said, no, it's going to feel like cheating now or yeah. something like that. And I'm like, but then apparently he's doing it. But and again, maybe it's just me and my inability to figure out which swings are which in a boxing match but apparently he does switch to southpaw and that's kind of what takes uh yeah takes him out well really it's because the the uh the uh, guys at the ringside are telling me so you know yes thank, and, thank and goodness that's good. for announcers at a boxing match right <laughs> <laughs> well and that's what i couldn't see well it, because i feel like i heard them say yo he just did him with a he hit him with a left and i couldn't yeah. tell if that was they were surprised or if they were just calling you know, yeah, left right. hand, you know, yeah. um, that seemed a little bit arbitrary, but I'm with you. I really, I, I was right there at the end and the slow motion stuff I thought was exceptional. It was just really a, a great evolution of, of the, the boxing match in movies over the first movie. I thought it was, it was, um, really great. And I think it's so much fun to, to see that and to know what kind of fighting is yet to come. I'm just really excited to, to watch these more <laughs> modern movies with you. This is going to be great. I think it's interesting that the whole switch to uh, fighting right-handed wasn't actually scripted. That what happened was uh, there was an accident on set. Stallone was doing a bench pressing contest with um, with a bodybuilder, and um, he ripped his pectoral, which sounds horrible. He wow. ripped his left yeah. pectoral muscle and needed to have surgery. And because of that, he couldn't fight with his left hand, and so. That became an element that, um, uh, you know, they used to uh, put that into the script, which, again, I, I think there were elements of it that worked that c it could have been stronger. But I, I thought it did make for a pretty interesting story. Element. Oh, I thought it was great. And and all the training montages were impacted watching him do all those, you know, um, uh, all those right handed push ups, uh, right handed push ups and all of that great stuff. I mean, to learn to fight right handed, that actually worked. I mean, it made it kind of a yeah. dramatic uh, arc. What smart, uh, you know, what a smart pivot. And, you know, there are only a handful of actors that could, you know, convincingly pull that off. Um, that's sure. Lucky. Clearly, this film, its production did have a few issues crop up that caused uh, them to have to do some script work because in addition to that bit with getting injured um talia shire had another project coming on right on the heels of this one another film that she was involved with that um she had to leave for that uh, uh for that production it was called old boyfriends and so the whole end fight sequence had to be written uh, or reworked so that she had to watch it from home because she had to actually she couldn't be on set and she had to actually go shoot this other movie and so all of the stuff with her in the house with Polly as they're watching yeah all of that was filmed filmed months later 
um, toward the end of this shoot. And so, um, you know, even that works right narratively, even that works for me. The fact that she couldn't be there for some sort for health reasons, like I, I didn't mind that. And I actually think it made it stronger when he calls out to her at the end. Um, you know, his longing for her. I think that, I think that played. Yeah, I, I do too. I liked that a lot better than the doctor saying, uh, you know, uh, strain of overwork. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's fair. Um, you know, you, you mentioned some things that, uh, that, that bug you, uh, about the script and, I'm I'm wondering if if it's the little things you look at what Stallone is doing, what they're doing with the script and the direction here. If if one of those things, um, like we we said the robe joke in the last movie, we liked that was good. The robe joke here did that play? Well, the robe joke we never mentioned in the last one. Um, I, I think we talked about it. Um, oh, off the yeah, air. maybe you and I yeah. talked about it. We should yeah, talk we about, about it now. Off the air. Yeah, the the robe on the last film. Um, they, they actually made a joke in the script because the robe was too big. It wasn't made very well. Um, and so, uh, it arrived that way. And, and, uh, so they were like frustrated because it didn't look as good as, as they wanted it to. And so they decided to just ad lib this little quip about, uh, you know, you know, yeah, this is, it is, you know, it, (laughs) this is all they had or whatever the line was. I can't remember now. And so they made a little joke and they wrote it in, which worked nicely. And then I thought it was great that we actually got that nice, (laughs) nice (laughs) nod here. It was like a return of the robe joke this time saying, Oh, it's a lot better than that one I had last time. Right. I and then, and then the funny. fact that they they riff on it a little bit and it ends with Rocky saying, yeah, I think it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought that was great. Um, we but but he does turn around and make a condom condominium joke. And I felt like that Ugh. was a touch that might that have was, offended you. It didn't offend me. I just was like, oh, oh there was really? there was a sensibility. There was a, a no, filmmaking it, sensibility in you, Andy. That it was, was idiocy is what it was. <laughs> I, I mean, I understand that that Rocky is not the brightest bulb in the drawer, but uh, I don't know. It just this this joke was just one. It was there just to be a joke, right? It yeah. doesn't actually go anywhere. It's not like his buddy, um, the the loan shark, Gazzo. It's not like he then goes on to um, to say, no, 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 condominiums, houses. I want yeah. you to invest in these houses. Like the conversation does not continue, which it tells me ends, the whole yeah. thing was there just to be for that stupid joke. Right. That's, they literally walk out of camera. It's, yeah, it's, right. It's very like, sitcom. Th- this is the that's the sort of moment that um, popped up in this that I felt like maybe Avildsen wouldn't have done that. Like those are the sorts of things that we get now. I'm like, that was a rough one. Yeah, we needed a, yeah, right. you know, it's it yep. just felt ugly. And one other thing that that fits in with that, I think, and this is this I think goes to Stallone directing and i just feel like avildsen handled things a little better at the toward the end of the film right before the match rocky's running late he leaves his place and then he races over to the church he pulls up and he yells for the italian uh priest who for whatever reason is strictly italian and he he yells for him to give him a blessing before he runs off to the match and that was another of those moments that i'm like you know I don't feel like Avildsen would have had that moment in the film. It felt like something that Stallone thought was kind of cute. And honestly, it probably 
was a nice little moment that won people over because you know a lot of people are religious and they they enjoy these little things i just for me it's just like you know he's late for this match this is getting silly now and mm-hmm. here he is he has to stop at the church real quick i just it, it, to me that was another moment that just didn't need to be there you want to talk and, about and getting knowing <laughs> and knowing that Stallone, sorry, and knowing that Stallone is going to continue directing these for a little while, uh, it does. I, I think he is, doesn't he? Continue he does. directing these for a bit. He does. It, absolutely. It makes me a little nervous about <laughs> the territory we're going to be going into. So you, I guess there may be reason for that. I don't know. There may be. <laughs> I'm curious to see. Just keep an open mind. Amy. Yeah, I will. I will. All so right. far, so good. I really liked uh, Bill Butler's camera on this one. I, I actually think it was it was solid. There was a, you know, he's, he's uh, was a solid utilitary, uh, solid utility player here. But when we get to the fights, um, it, you know, I think is where he, he, you know, the work really shines. And I think I I was able to keep the fights straight. I was able to see the action. I was able to track with what they were doing. Um, I you know he kept with a lot of that really kind of cool seventies angle work and. Uh, uh, in particular, God, there's some really striking sequences. One where Rocky tries to kind of um, collect his thoughts. He goes into the bathroom of the gym and there's like this security camera angle on Rocky as he's leaning up against the stalls. And I just, I really like it. Like, I just find myself really attracted to the way the images were captured on screen. I think he did a great job. We've talked about him with Jaws. Oh. And uh, I, that may be it. But certainly a cinematographer that knows how to shoot a project he's done some great stuff and uh, i mean one flew up the cuckoo's nest grease the conversation uh, just some really fantastic 70s films um under his belt and uh and then he's gonna he's gonna stick with rocky for a few so we'll be seeing more of his work in uh, the coming uh, weeks in our conversations yeah, I'm excited about it. And I think, you know, paired with uh, Stanford Allen as uh, editor, um, you know, I think there's uh, it's just a great pairing, particularly for properties like this that have these like sports movies in general require such an, an, an attentive editor to to keep the, you know, to keep the plays on screen. And I, I think he uh, he does a fantastic job here. And we I don't think we've talked about stanford allen have we uh this this might be new but he's you know we we might have or we might in the future because he actually did a little bit of work with uh the good mel brooks uh that we talked about recently um so uh i I would love one day to talk about young frankenstein and that would give us a good excuse even though he's only assistant editor on that but yes doesn't matter his name has been dropped we're still going to talk about name has been dropped (laughs) bill conti's back doing music um, yep. I feel it's interesting. The music is as inspirational as ever, but I, I largely felt like we were getting exactly the same that we got last time. It was weird because I loved it, but I felt like was I, after it was over, I'm like, did we hear any new music? I wasn't quite yeah, sure. I, I don't, I didn't notice. Yeah. He, although, he, although, uh, Frank Stallone does get to sing a few more songs in the street for he us. He gets a solo. Gets yeah. a nice solo. Oh my goodness! Yes, on the street. Thank God, these we still live. We're we're watching movies about a time. At least my kids can see what it was really like, Andy, when we were youths, <laughs> when we were right. growing up, and and people just randomly sang on the street corners. I'm just glad I can introduce them to that world, that real world. Very real, very real. It's mm-hmm. like watching my own childhood. 
Any other nuggets you pick up here? Uh, the baby in the film is actually uh, uh, Sergio Stallone, uh, Sylvester's own son. Oh. Well, there you go. Oh, so yeah. It's a very difficult name to say because it's not Sergio. It's not like Sergio. No. It's like S-E-A-R-G-E-O-H. But is Sergio. That, how does he Sergio. pronounce it? Sergio. So, uh, yeah, according to according to as the how to pronounce guides that I found online, it's like <laughs> Sergio, Sergio. It's like Sergio. a French Sergio. Sergio. Another little interesting bit, and I didn't, I missed this in the credits last time, but the first uh, five, I think, the first six Rocky movies are all dedicated to Jane Oliver. Um, and I was like, who is this mysterious Jane Oliver? I wasn't quite sure. Jane Oliver was none other than Sylvester Stallone's first personal manager. She actually died of cancer in 1975 at the age of 46. So a very young age. Um, and he said he always has felt indebted to her for helping him kickstart his career. And so he has dedicated, uh, the films to her. The first, uh, six Rocky films have all been dedicated wow. to her. Isn't that nice? That's, that's really touching. I hear things like that, and I say, this Sylvester Stallone is a lot like Rocky. Like, there are so many elements in this man that I have always misjudged because I'm like, you know, Rocky, Commando, mm -hmm. uh, or not Commando, uh, Cobra. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> what was the other guy there? Rambo. My God. Uh, all these all these characters that he's played that are so, you know, kind of thick and 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 uh, just, you know, action movie star sorts of things. I just don't ever put him there. And yeah. so it's interesting to see this in these films. I find it quite interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's one of those things even today I, when I watch interviews with him, uh, I am. Really moved by how incredibly smart he is. He's an interesting guy. You know, I, I, uh, I'm trying to think like what was probably the first movie of his that I actually watched because I think that growing up, he was one of those guys that you more often made fun of because of kind of the, hey, yo, yo, Adrian, like that sort mm -hmm. of stuff that you would just say without actually having seen his movies. And I ended up, I don't know, I missed most of his movies. I think the first one I saw might have been Cliffhanger in 93, if you can believe that. Mm -hmm. uh, I missed everything before then. But I've certainly gone and caught up with a lot um, uh, before that. And um, I think that, you know, I enjoy his stuff. I think Victory is a really interesting soccer film. Um, uh, I uh, I've, you know, I've never finished watching, uh, first blood. It's one that I, I keep meaning to go back to, but I, I think that there's, um, I, I was enjoying it. I just need to, I need to finish it. Fist was an interesting kind of union film. Um, I, you know, I, I think that he's a guy who's done some good stuff. I think like in the nineties, he did Copland, which I really liked. Yes. yes. You know? Oh yeah. Copland was amazing. Yeah. And I mean, he's a, he's a guy. I mean, I know that he started in like you know his first movie was a porn, um, but he he did a good job of trying to find ways to kind of get uh, out of that and get into film and do other things. And I, I really appreciate that with him. And I love that even after the first Rocky, he did direct a film. He directed Paradise Alley uh, before he uh, before he went on to this one. 
um, and just has always been trying to find ways to better himself and 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 do a lot of really interesting things. Even like the Expendables franchise, like he keeps inventing himself and reinventing himself. I just I I he's a very interesting person, and I um, I may not like his films all the time, but I find him a very interesting guy now. The uh, movie that you're referring to. Uh, is Sylvester Stallone in The Party at Kitty and Studs. <laughs> and Kitty and Stud are lovers. They enjoy a robust sex life, which includes some things that I don't know if we can say on a podcast. <laughs> stud. So I'll skip those words, and I'll then say Stud does some things to Kitty. I'll skip those words. Uh, then three women come over for a party, and Stud... I'm going to skip some words there, uh, one after the other. <laughs> That's the <laughs> description of the party at Kitty and Studs, 1970. Uh, that is a... Uh, and he's actually credited. Wow, here, here's an interesting thing. The box cover artwork shows Stud, uh, and he's got, he's, he's got kind of a fur coat on. He's looking longingly into the middle distance up uh up and to the left but the name that is credited on the cover of the box is italian stallion yeah that they so in 1976 after rocky they re-edited the film and re-released it as the italian stallion to capitalize on his fame from that that was that was smart yeah it's funny because it became a a, almost an urban legend that uh you know i didn't even know if he actually (laughs) had ever done something like that but uh, it turns out he had. So it was, it was an urban legend that's actually not an urban legend. Because <laughs> it's real. There it is. Not, not, yes, it is, it is legendary. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh-huh. It's right there. All right. Uh, so that is fascinating. I'm totally lost. Where do we go from there? <laughs> so speaking <laughs> speaking of uh, Stallone, so uh, and uh, you know we're going to talk about kind of sequels uh, of this franchise. But what I also found was interesting is he actually wrote the novelization for this. And uh, what's interesting is he wrote it in the first person. He wrote it as first person narrative told by Rocky. Wow, that sounds very interesting. I'd love to yes. hear Rocky Balboa reading the that audio book. Reading that audible.com slash and then it's rocky two no results oh andy well that makes my night worse the world is not complete yet but at least we all have that pornography <laughs> Jeez. anyhow so that's what the the that's with the uh that's with the book uh let's talk about how it did at awards season. Well, unlike its predecessor, this film, uh, it was loved, but uh, it wasn't a critical um, success at awards season. It only had two wins with two other nominations. The wins were for the American Movie Awards. It won Best Film and the People's Choice Awards. It won Favorite Motion Picture. The other nominations at the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. He went from uh, Best Oscar nomination for Best Actor to a Worst Actor nomination at the Stinkers. Uh, but he lost to Robbie Benson in the film Walk Proud. And then in 2009, the Satellite Awards um, gave it a nomination for Best Overall Blu-ray Disc for the Rocky, The Undisputed Collection, which is the first six films. But that lost to the Star Trek 2009 three-disc Blu-ray. I I am disappointed about this Stinker's Bad Movie uh, Award thing. I think that is undeserved. 
Yeah, I do too. I don't think it's very nice. All right. Well, it's it's definitely I think, not I nice. think the stinkers are a stinker. They win the stinker I do award for, uh, from us. They are just not nice. <laughs> That's the not niceies. How, let's let's talk about the box office. How to do how to do at the box office. Well, Stallone's foray into directing, uh, the first time in the franchise, uh, he began um, with seven times what the first film had, an estimated $7 million, or about $23.2 million in today's dollars. Rocky II was released on June 15, 1979, on a pretty busy weekend. It had to compete against The In-Laws, Butch and Sundance, The Early Days, Prophecy, and The Water Babies. But it did well for itself, becoming the third highest grossing film of the year only behind Kramer vs. Kramer and the Amityville Horror. And just as an aside, Pete, we have now talked about five of the top ten grossing films from 1979. Kramer vs. Kramer, Apocalypse Now, This, Star Trek The Motion Picture, and Alien. There you go. Not bad. Not too bad. Us. Have you the, seen Prophecy? Is that one that uh, is that one you like? It strikes me as one you might be... Never seen it. You might be interested in. Also stars Talia Shire. I've never seen it. Interestingly enough. It's a John Frankenheimer thing. I, I think that's something you want to, I think that's something you want to watch. It's the tagline is uh, a, she lives, don't move, don't breathe. There's nowhere to run. She will find you. A log company's waste mutates the environment, creating a giant killer bear monster. Oh, is that prophecy? Yeah. What am I thinking of? Am I thinking of, I think you're thinking of the prophecy with Christopher Walken. That's totally what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that can't happen much, much later. That was 95. Right. This is prophecy. Yeah. Oh. Armando Sante. Wow. This one, I totally have seen this poster before. Yeah. Is this the one where it was like a uh, first person camera as the bear? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, Richard Dysart's be... in it. <laughs> I totally have to watch this movie now. <laughs> John Hawks is <laughs> Armando Sante plays John Hawks. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. uh, right. Rocky Two did go on to make eighty five point two million domestically and one hundred fifteen million everywhere else, raking in a total of about six hundred sixty two point six million in today's dollars. That means the film didn't do as well as its predecessor, but it was still a success, earning an adjusted profit per finished minute of five point four million dollars and. Pete, I will also throw this in there that, you know, there was this um, kind of belief that back in the day, a, a, a sequel would only do about 30 to 40% of the business of its predecessor. Well, Rocky II uh, brought in about 75% of what its predecessor did. So um, even if it didn't make more than its predecessor, it still showed everybody up. Uh, all right. Well, I I like it. I'm glad to hear that you also overall. I I know I feel it's fair to say you like it. I think that's. Fair am to I say. making my lying? That's fair to say. All right. Good. So we're off to a, a great start for this particular series. Very excited about where we stand uh, on number two. How how about we head over and rank it? Let's do it. Head over to flickchart.com slash the next reel. You'll see all the movies we've talked about on this show. But if you tap the word flickchart, that'll take you right over to this movie where you can add it to your catalog and see how it stands up to ours. First up, Rocky 2 or Franco Zeffarelli's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, Rocky 2. Rocky 2. 
Rocky 2 or Fargo. Fargo, please. Fargo. Rocky 2 or Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. I'm going to say Rocky 2. That's a great question. You really are Rocky 2. I really am, yeah. Okay. Rocky 2 or 12 Monkeys. I'm going with the monkeys. I'll go with the monkeys. Rocky 2 or Rebel Without a Cause. Rocky 2. Rocky 2. Rocky 2 or Wild Tales. Rocky 2. I... I'm I'm pretty soft. I might not fight on it. Yeah, I don't know if we need to go 15 rounds on this one. I, uh, we're going to have 15 rounds jokes for this whole thing. I'm kind of torn. Andy, you really got me on the ropes. (laughs) I, uh, I'm going to say Wild Tales. Okay. Okay. Rocky 2 or Targets. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm going to say Targets. I am too. Yeah. Rocky 2 or Interstellar. Interstellar. Boy. Yeah, me too. The things that happen when you watch a movie like that the second time. Yeah, truth. Rocky 2 or Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Rocky 2. I uh, love Escape from the Planet of the Apes, but I'm going to say Rocky 2 as well. Well, that lands Rocky 2 at spot 132 on our chart out of 388 films. Pretty solid. Nice. You know, it's really funny. I went to rank this one, and like I said, it's got some moments that I I definitely struggled with. But man, or it's high is high. And man, does it end the right way? Because on such a high note, it's hard to uh, to uh, kind of get off that high. And so I ended up uh, uh, landing at 851 out of 4,088. Which is two spots on my chart below Rocky. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I was really surprised. That's fantastic. Yeah. This one ran into a little bit of difficulty on my chart, and so it's it's frustrating where it landed. It is uh, at 267 out of 1,056, which puts it at 75% uh, on my chart, which is lower than I think. If I'm going by the algorithm, uh, it says it should be three and a half stars. And I'm I'm still a four star on this movie. I, I really enjoyed it. I don't think it was as good as the, uh, as the first one um, overall, just because of the introduction to the character. But it solves so many problems, uh, narrative problems that I think the first one didn't get quite right. Uh, and the boxing is so much better um, that I, I'm forgiving some of the some of the, you know, middling stuff that that dragged it down much further for you. Interestingly, this one is and I'm not going to tell you what, uh, but as of my current ranking of the Rocky movies on my chart. Uh, this movie, Rocky, the original is number one. Uh, Rocky two is actually number three. Oh, and there is a movie we have yet to watch that actually inserts itself right between one and three. It it would be number two. And I can't wait to get there. (laughs) I'm glad you clarified that for me. Yes. Uh. (laughs) The one that comes between one and three. (laughs) (laughs) 1.75. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what about you uh, on the star rating over at letterbox.com slash the next reel? I also uh, gave it four stars and a heart. Look at that. Excellent. Yeah. Heart it up. 
Indeed, indeed. All right. So where do we go, Andy, from here? We are going to be going uh, just a few years uh, forward. We're going to be jumping up to Rocky Three, which will be an interesting one to to look at. Rocky Three came out in 1982, so another three year jump to uh, to this film. And I am uh, again, I know this. What this is where I now enter territory where I really like, other than knowing who he fights. I know nothing about that. <laughs> well, this is a good one. I mean, again, it's written by Sylvester Stallone and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Again, the gang is all here. Talia Shire, Burt Young, Carl Weathers, Burgess Meredith, Tony Burton's back as, as Weathers trainer. Uh, and, uh, of course, we meet both uh, uh, Clubber Lang and Thunderlips <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> this is, uh, this uh, of all of the Rocky movies, Three and four are the two that are most inextricably tied to the period in history. This one culturally, uh, the other one politically. And so I'm really, I, I think you have to, if you, if you were to put on a lens, put that on and, and see if that helps you, <laughs> helps you engage the film. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. There you well, go. I All look right. forward to it even more now. Or do I? (laughs) (laughs) If you want to hear more of us, but you can't wait until next week's show, check out our new show, The Marvel Movie Minute. We're talking about the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. We started with 2008's Iron Man, and we are in the heat of it now. Indeed we are. You can support that show and all of our shows over on patreon.com slash the next reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. The kids have spoken, Andy. Oh, yes, they have. I love Thanks these to kids. Thanks Common Sense Media. They're, they're just, they're great. They're bright. Bright young reviewers. That's what we're showcasing here. Here, here. Not as many of the, uh, I'm, I am glad to see, unlike some of the reviewers last uh, last week who felt like six-year-olds should be watching Rocky, <laughs> uh, we, we don't have that sort of catalog of the very young reviewers for this movie. Uh, and so, um, uh, where would you like to start? I'll go ahead. We'll start right. high. I got a five star by a 15 year old teen who goes by the name The Joe F. The best sequel to an original. Rocky II is one of the best sequels ever made. It shows the next step in the underdog's life. Nothing drastically changes, which is acceptable because no one's life really changes fast. It moves slowly, depending on what you do and how you challenge yourself at life. That is what Rocky II is telling us. Nothing happens to Rocky after the fight, so he must decide if he can do the rematch with Apollo Creed and take a bigger risk for the title. This movie has much more dialogue and drama that kids that are 8 to 14 won't understand, which is why I don't think it would be a good kids movie. Overall, Rocky II is the appropriate sequel to the first because it shows how today's heroes are quickly forgotten. (laughs) And this title contains positive messages, positive role models, and sexy stuff. Mm-mm. <laughs>
Wow, how quickly our heroes are uh, are right. so quickly forgotten, Andy. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, mine comes from a teen who is 14 years old. He is uh, goes by the moniker Tom Cruise fan. <laughs> I love. He that. actually gives it a three star review. Predictable from Tom Cruise fan. Rocky Two movie review is the heading. Rocky is one of my 20 favorite films of all time. I, I want to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I this 14-year-old uses uh, flick chart, Pete. <laughs> I think so, too. This is, uh, this is, yes. If it's in the 20, shouldn't you just give us a number? Don't you think? <laughs> At what point do you just give us an, okay. Going into this movie, I was pumped. Overall, it was kind of disappointing to me. Rocky II, it's not an awful movie at all. It's fun to watch. The acting and directing is very good. The boxing sequences are great as well. The writing was solid for the most part. My main problem with the movie is that it dragged in some parts. Also, Rocky II kind of feels bloated and over-exaggerated at times. It felt a lot like the original, but I feel that the style of Rocky was better than Rocky II. I still enjoyed watching the movie. It was interesting to see Rocky train. I was disappointed, but still, it is a good film. This title contains language. Language. I guess now, a Tom Cruise fan didn't catch the sexy stuff. No, did not catch the sexy stuff. <laughs> I th- <laughs> uh, that's that's it's pretty much your review. And I was wondering if maybe you're a Tom Cruise fan. Well, Pete, I. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but this is not a that's not a bad little review, right? No, it's actually Tom pretty Cruise good. Fan I, nailed it. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, even pointing out that you got to see Rocky training, so yeah, yeah, bloated, over exaggerated, <laughs> condominium, <laughs> nailed it. Thanks, kids. I've been podcasting since two thousand six. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms, but in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM, and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today.